3: You can adjust your mic. Do you need to bring it a little higher? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. I need to sit up a little bit more.
3: Yeah. Diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. What if I
4: like literally put on this little... Hey, everybody. Welcome. Hey. It'd yeah. be fun. It'd be really taxing, but fun.
3: Yeah, really, really cute. Hello and welcome to Beauty Translated. I'm your host, Carmen Laurent. This is the show all about celebrating the inner and outer beauty within the trans community. This week, I am sitting down to talk to my longtime friend and trans daughter. That's right. She credits me as the person who helped her realize who she really was, Mae Calloway. Mae is going to discuss growing up on a farm in rural Georgia, yassifying cows, and meeting the first trans person who changed it all for her. She'll also discuss what it was like to begin transitioning at 30, relationships, and more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my trans child, Mae Calloway. Well, let's give a round of applause to our guest today. Her name is May Calloway, and I have known her for a very long time. Please welcome May to the podcast, Beauty Translated. Oh, thank you. Thank you. She's here. How
4: are you doing today, May? I'm doing well this is the beginning of my vacation for my work. Oh so my you are my first stop.
3: Oh my god, congratulations on vacation. Thank you for making time for me today. We're having a <laughs> staycation, mama. What are you hot? It's here? Hot in, in here. here. <laughs> okay, fuck. I did just take my estrogen so I might be a little hormone flash. Oh, fuck. Drink some water, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but yeah, I know. I've known you forever. I've yeah. known you
3: since you were in high school. Oh, my God. That terrifies me. But wait a minute. Why don't we start out with who you are? A nobody. A nobody. (laughs) No, I'm just... A hot slut? A hot little turd. (laughs)
4: A hot slut ready for some dicking? A hot southern turd. No.
3: (laughs) A hot southern slut ready to be dicked down by a hard turd. Yes, mama. Uh.
4: people got to pay big money for this, honey. No, but I don't know what's happening in my life other than I'm just really trying to normalize myself. I'm a beverage manager and floor manager at a restaurant. Fabulous. And what I do on my off time is sleep and pretend like I'm famous on social media when I'm really not, but it's fun. Just like the rest of us, facetime i mean facetune yeah
3: facetune <laughs> facetune t- oh facetune facetuning <laughs> a little peace tune and I'm an elf all of a sudden i remember you were about those fucking elf ears for a while bitch oh my god i mean it was the fantasy but it's like come on <laughs> like it can't be dragon con all year can't be dragon con all year well, May, I'm really glad to have you on the pod today. We have known each other for a very long time, but why don't you tell the folks where you're originally from? Aren't you from Calhoun, Georgia? Well, it's next to Calhoun. Oh, that's the ne- that's the big city. That's where
4: I tell everyone I'm from, but I'm actually it. from Fairmount, Georgia, which is near like Jasper Ranger.
3: I know where Jasper is. I go to big, Calhoun. I go to Big Canoe, like a rich white woman every fall. How do I
4: not know what that is? Like, I've lived there my whole life, but I have no idea what Bicanoo is. It's like a resort community. Why was I not having this kind of fun when I was living in Fair? Like, I was literally... No. Yeah. (laughs) So then that's why. I was, like, middle class, I think. Okay. I just lived on 99 acres of farm. Right. And drove ATVs around, raised cattle. Oh, my gosh. I was in 4-H. Remind everybody what 4-H is. 4-H was... I don't remember what the 4-H Fuck stand it. for, but yeah. it, it's basically where you learn how to farm. Be a farmer, yeah. And there's also Future Farmers of America. I don't yeah. know if that's still around anymore. I think I was in that too. I don't remember. It's weird. I, I don't remember a lot of my youth anymore. Because
3: you blocked it out? <laughs> I did. <laughs> so you were like set on being a farmer, huh? Or your parents wanted you to be a farmer? <laughs>
4: I don't know. Were, they, were your parents I farmers? I just like really enjoyed. So my step family owned this farmland. Yeah. And had cattle. Yeah. So I guess they were farmers, but they also owned a well drilling company. Right. So they weren't necessarily just farmers. Like they had other jobs, but I remember just being really fascinated by, you know, having a little baby calf and <laughs> feeding it. And then also there was this like, Really cool thing about showmanship, whenever you would show cattle, is you would give this calf a bath and it'd blow dry its hair, put some hairspray in it, cut the hair to make it look a certain way. Basically, the cow. It was a lot of beauty. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, it was cow really beauty. Fun. Cow beauty. So you would like yassify the cows. Yes, my first pageants, basically.
3: The only pageants, I guess. But yeah. Just so you know, folks, May is a cow queen, pageant queen. Simital and Angus. Simital and Angus queen. We Mm -hmm. got her right here on the pod today. Thank you for joining us, May. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) Yes. So you grew up in Calhoun. When did you start to discover Atlanta and come to Atlanta?
4: So... I grew up in Calhoun, Georgia. Oh, Fairmount, Georgia. Yeah, sorry.
3: I'm such a good listener.
4: I obviously was just following what you said. Anyways, I grew up in Fairmount, Georgia, and then I discovered the internet. Yeah. Um. Were you on MySpace? Exactly. Zanga. That's where I was going. Live journal? I didn't do all the writing stuff. Like I was. <sighs> English. You oh, I know, thought that would have been right up your alley. Grammar, though. English is not my forte, hun. Like you could give me some math, I'll do it all day. But so I didn't but you have do so many like the feelings. whole journaling.
3: You have so many feelings
4: though. I'm just whiny. <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> <laughs> so basically I got on MySpace and then I started seeing people that were actually super queer. And mm-hmm. I had grew up knowing that I was a queer Femi in my heart. I right. knew from a young age. I remember when I first came out, like I told my mom, I was like, I really want a husband. Like I want a boyfriend. And then she immediately like freaked the fuck out, got sick to her stomach and was like, we're taking you to go see a psychiatrist. So I went to see them the next day. And I remember just being like, I want to be someone's wife. And I didn't really understand what that meant Because I didn't really know any trans feminine people, like Mm -hmm. trans women in my life, other than it wasn't the type of trans woman that I see myself as. So I only knew of like trans people who only worked at the bar, which is like the case because, you know, it wasn't accepted. So that's really the only place that trans women could get a job back then. Right. Working like in a public space. Right. Being a sex worker, which there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't really idolize that life Yeah. at the time. I wanted to just be normal and have whatever the fuck that meant and have a husband and be a wife and have children. And I remember speaking this truth to the psychiatrist and I only had one session with her. I told my mom exactly what I said with her and she was like, you're not going back there. So I ended up... Repressing a bunch of stuff because my mom was basically like, "If this is how you're gonna live your life, you're gonna be." We thought it was gay back then. If you're gonna be gay, you can't live here. You're gonna have to go move to Marietta to, with your aunt. You can't
3: grow up here anymore because I'm afraid of your well-being. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a as much of a thing with your parents. Like they wanted you to move out so that. She loves me. She
4: still loves me. And she still, like, cares a lot about me.
3: She just knew that Um, Fairmount wasn't the best.
4: It wasn't at the time to be out. There were maybe two people that were out during that time. Anyways, the whole point of this story was she was like, okay, you got to go, you know, live with your aunt. And... I freaked out and was like, oh, never mind. I was just like joking. I don't really know what I want. Mm
3: -hmm. Because you didn't want to have to leave your mom.
4: Right. I wanted to stay with my family. I love my sister. I love my mother. I have a really big family. I love everybody. But I would, I just couldn't imagine my life without them at 15. Yeah. That's a really young age. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, I ended up going on MySpace because like 15, 16 was whenever MySpace was up. And I found about a lot of queer people that I related to with music and fashion. And I decided that I wanted to go hang out with these people, which were in Cartersville. And then that ended up going to Atlanta, where I met many of our like mutual friends that we have to this day.
3: So how did it feel at the time when you were 15 and your mom wanted you to move with your aunt, but you didn't want to leave your mom? Like, you knew that it wasn't because your mom didn't love you. You knew it was because... Did you understand that at the time is what I'm trying to...
4: I think I did. I think I I did understand that because I was really close with my mom. Yeah. However, it was really disappointing to hear that she would so easily give one of her children away away, to be like, oh, you can't be here. Like, we got to stow you away. It was just really disappointing to me. And
3: I got scared. Did it feel maybe like partly it was for your best interest, but also partly maybe because she was a little embarrassed? Oh, it was totally
4: embarrassment. I think she definitely was scared about me being hurt. Right. Yeah. But for the most part, my family growing up, was super religious, and they actually, my step-family owned a church, and my uncle, my step-uncle
3: was a Preacher. preacher there. I've known May for many years. This is the first time we've had such an open discussion about the role her family and religious upbringing had on her. When your family is involved in the church, it even further complicates things. What kind of church was it? A non denominational. It's so crazy. I don't
4: really think about all this stuff. So it's kind of like I have to think really hard about this. Because yeah. I've kind of blocked it out a little bit. I just remember after I had moved away for a year when I was eighteen, I'm I got the fuck out. I went I ended up going and living with my aunt. In Marietta. In Marietta. And I was living my true self as what I thought I was, which was gay, even though I felt like a woman. That didn't feel so that didn't feel satisfying. But it didn't. It was the closest thing
3: you felt at the time.
4: It was it felt close enough for me to be happier than I was. And I can relate to that too. Yeah. I went back to visit my mom and I was really close with the church and stuff growing up that I kind of like wanted to go back to church with her because she invited me. So I went back in and my uncle, my step-uncle started preaching about homosexuality as soon as I walked in. Mm. So, it was like he saved this sermon for whenever I entered
3: the church. The vicinity, Yeah. yeah.
4: And it was just like really heartbreaking and that was honestly the last time that I've ever stepped back into a church for a sermon or any type of praise or whatnot. Which... It's a little sad and heartbreaking,
3: but there was a lot of hypocrisy. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I'm okay without it. Well, yeah, but do you still feel like you have a need for spirituality in your life?
4: I do. I think there's something missing in my life. I enjoyed the community. I enjoyed the positiveness in church. where Everybody was really looking out for everyone's best interests. Like if somebody was
3: sick, we would help them. If somebody passed away. We would be there to comfort, to help with the grief. It is, especially in a small community like that, it can make you feel like less alienated. And I miss that. That's the one thing I do think
4: that I cherish from my religious upbringing is the closeness that it brought everybody. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever find that again, because I did see a lot of hypocrisy that I'm kind of a sour person now. <laughs> yeah. like, You're I don't, a little cynical now. I am. It's sad. I used to be so sweet.
3: Tell me, so once you moved to Atlanta, you were living with your aunt. When was the first time you met another trans person?
4: The first time I ever met another trans person was actually you. <laughs> well, I take that back. Yeah. So I went to, I went to, what is it? LaBuzz. Oh, yeah, I went to La Buzz and I think I might have saw an entertainer there. I think it was Jasmine before Jasmine. Oh Domino. Oh, Domino. I think it yeah, was yeah, Domino yeah. before Domino was Domino. right. I think I saw her in the beginning. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of her stages, and that was really inspiring because I then saw her grow into the entertainer that she is wasn't really like close with her. So my first close
3: person that was trans would be you. Of course, I knew that I was the first trans person that May got to know well, but hearing her talk about it again reminded me that I was the first person of my generation in Atlanta to openly transition. At the time, I was just trying to survive. I wasn't aware of the impact I might have been having on the people around me. Did we meet? I feel like I was thinking about this last night. Was it Ellis Tekka? Is that where we met? I feel like El Texas. Is that the place on Pont? Yeah, the place on Ponce. It's now a different place. El Ponce, yeah, uh, I think is what it's called now. Yes, it's called El Ponce now. But so I think that was the first place I remember meeting you.
4: I think so. But I feel like I knew of you because of... The internet, like MySpace, Facebook. I was a
3: MySpace queen. I was a Facebook queen.
4: Me too. And I think I remember, I was really close with Jason and Derek. And I remember them telling me how they met you and that you were really inspiring and such a sweet person. And it just made me want to get to know you even more because of the good things that they said about you and how unique you were at the time. Like you were very seen. Seen as in like the... The look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I was. Yeah, I
3: was kind of a little thing girl back then. Yeah.
4: And I was like, I always liked a good, what is it? Alternative queen. Well, <laughs> whenever you put effort into looking like something, I always like whenever people are really honing in on something, yeah. regardless of what it is, I'll probably like it if you just hone in on a look. Yeah. And that's what you were doing. You were being your little sweet scene queen self. and Always trying to turn out a look, bitch. I know. Yeah. I need to. And then I met you. I don't think you were trans at the time, but you were really effeminate. And that was something that I've always been envious of, of when I see people and like, I'm also drawn to that when I see it in people. So that's kind of why I was enamored by you and wanted to continue a friendship with you is because I was, I really look up to you and I Mm -hmm. looked up to you then. I don't know. It's inspiring to see someone live Mm -hmm. their truth, especially with how difficult it is to be your true self.
3: Yeah, it really, really is just the other night when we were going out i was thinking about how like at that time i was like the only visibly trans like person of my generation i guess is the way to put it and then years later they start popping out of the woodworks a bunch of little eggs start hatching
4: these little eggs start hatching so i ended up doing drag yeah that's whenever okay so I got really really envious of Jason doing drag because I was like damn she's a really fucking hot girl Mm -hmm. like this is not fair I bet I know I'm a hot bitch like I know it (laughs) I was like it's my turn bitch like help me put on some makeup so I paid her Fucking like fifteen dollars to Ew. paint half of my face. Refund, bitch. Uh, give me a refund, honey. <laughs> wow, bitch. No, I can't believe she made me pay. <laughs> I know she would. <laughs> and I painted the other half of my face, and then the next time I like paid her fifteen dollars just to watch me oh paint my, my face, so that way that I could be like, I would know this how bitch to do made it. Thirty dollars, me Her face was crunchy as hell, <laughs> like. Not me. Like, mine was, too. But hers was super crunchy. This is used the beginning. Be, yeah,
3: I remember. Oh, girl, I remember. And you know what? She used to make me try to teach her how to do makeup. And I never fucking charged her ass. So oh, I <laughs> should be like, bitch. Pay the bill. Where's the money? Anywho, I remember,
4: like, filling my fantasy. Like, understanding exactly who I was. In, when you were in drag. When I was in drag. Right. Whenever I saw myself getting to be the feminine queen that I am. Living your truth. And it was like, there's delusions. We all have fucking delusions. (laughs) Not Mae Calloway talking about delusions. Delusional, honey. The delusional queen, mama. (laughs) Yeah, it was big delusions. Looked busted,
3: crunchy. Towards the end, though, you got it together.
4: Oh, yeah. Like, towards the end, I understood the assignment. I realized what was going to happen in my life. Mm -hmm. And it scared the fucking shit out of me I ended my career I stopped doing drag and I ended up dating someone that I really wanted to make it happen like I really wanted a genuine connection with someone and I couldn't have it because I wasn't being real for myself like I wasn't being me (laughs)
6: Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Dating and relationships are a hard subject when you are visibly trans. May talks about the challenges of being in a relationship when she knew she was trans but hadn't yet taken the steps to begin her transition. So this was a relationship you had with a gay man, as a man. We ended up going to a lot of like therapy,
4: actually, like couples therapy. And I just knew the whole time, every time I was in that therapy session, I was like, bitch, it's because I'm a woman. That's why this is not working out. And I had had multiple like relationships before this, but this was like, I knew I was a woman when I got into this relationship, but I was in denial because I was so scared of the path of having to feel like I meet society's expectations of what a woman is and also not stepping on anybody's toes. Like It's a scary situation because I had lived my life for 29, 30 years as a gay man who was a Crossdresser of some sort, a drag queen, and you were so. Engaged. I was just afraid. No, I wasn't engaged, oh. but it was super close. Like I okay. went to both of his brothers' weddings, all of that, and we just had a really hard time being truthful to each other. Mm-hmm. Like he was he was there being truthful, and I was not, and that's the sad truth. So, by the end of that relationship. I decided to be a little sneaky turd <laughs> and make a doctor's appointment to see if I could start HRT. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like this long journey. I just talked to them, they're going to get me in with a therapist, then talk about maybe getting on hormones or whatever. No, I walk in there and she's literally like, So tell me your story. I'm like, I'm a woman. I identify as a woman inside and I really want to connect with my outside. What you're feeling on the inside. What I'm feeling on the inside. And she was like, okay, well, we have this thing called informed consent Mm -hmm. and you're welcome to be informed about HRT and we can literally get you started today. Yeah. My, like i felt such a relief like it's insane like I I knew that my life was starting then at 30 what the heck yeah I know I knew my life was starting right then and I got so scared and so happy and I remember calling my best friend Joey and meeting him and I remember us going and like getting lunch or dinner or something and I told him he was like the first person that I told
3: Yeah. Love you, Joey. I
4: know. Poor baby. I love him so much. And then so, like, we took a picture of me outside and you could just see, like, I still have that picture of all the, like, beginning pictures that I have my transition. I still have this one picture because you could just see some weight lifted on my soul. You can tell you're glowing from within. You really can. And, like, it was a really beautiful thing that 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 woman gave me the option to just start then and there because i didn't tell you but earlier like during that month i had started drinking heavily like Mm -hmm. really bad like i started going to the bars every night and just getting wasted until one night i like threw up blood Mm. in my car Like projectile Vomitant blood It looked like a Movie scene Oh my god And then I went home And I woke up With blood All over me I should not Have been driving I did I was just making A lot of bad decisions Before I got the okay To be myself (laughs) Yeah You were
3: feeling Probably self-medicating Yeah Self-destructive You know That's something We can all relate to For sure
4: As happy as I was Though I didn't tell the man i was dating right that i was doing all of this and i said i'm gonna give myself two weeks and if i really feel the way that i know i am i'm gonna come out to him and i'm gonna tell him i don't think he's going to stay with me because we've had such a hard battle being in this relationship that i wouldn't expect him change his sexuality, his orientation right. for someone that he is arguing with constantly. So I ended up telling him and it was super emotional. He was so sweet, heartbroken, both of us, but for the best. But I I do like wonder, you know, I, I love this person. I was with him for two years of my life. And I just hope they're doing well. Yeah. I'm
3: sure they are. But yeah. you're doing you're oh, doing yeah. even I'm better, doing, bitch.
4: I'm doing great. I just, I don't know. When I connect with someone, I really hate burning that bridge.
3: But at a certain point, you have to in order for you to be able to grow and for you to be, become who you really are. I want to back up a little bit. I want to talk more about your experience with drag and your career as Crying Callie. So your drag name, we knew you as one of the legendary children of Atlanta, Miss Crying Callie. Yeah, Miss Crying Callie. How did you get that name? How did you choose that name?
4: Um, so my last name is Calloway. I used to go out a lot, and I would get really emotional with someone new every night. And then my friends that used were really to. close to me—I know, right? You're You're still, still fucking doing that shit. God, I cried the other night when we went out. Yeah, I know. You just cried thirty minutes ago. Oh my god. No, but so. My close friends would get really annoyed with me. And they'd be like, is Miss Crying Callie coming out tonight? And then I'd be like, yeah, Yeah. probably. So I was a little bit embarrassed. But whenever I started drag, that was the only nickname that I ever had. So I was like, let's kind of make it empowering. Capitalize off of it. Capitalize off of it and and hope for the best. And it was fun. I would always like draw, draw on tears. I thought of myself as an empathetic person, person, empath queen. Oh, yeah, all that crying queen, empath all of queen. That it was, it was interesting. It was a good time. I, I
3: really had fun doing drag. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about just how, how doing drag led to you discovering that you were not just a drag queen, but you were a woman, and you needed to live as a woman.
4: Yeah. So I remember getting in drag for the first time, woo, felt amazing, looked crunchy, but felt the delusion of beauty.
3: She was feeling her fantasy.
4: (sighs) And then, so it was like an ever evolving character that I had that every time I got better, I could see a little bit of myself coming through. So it took, what, 10 years (laughs) of me doing it but every time that I got closer to myself, I felt more comfortable. And honestly, thank fucking God for a drag because I wouldn't have known how to do half the stuff that, you know, is, is somewhat required of you in society. Take care of your skin. Put, how to put on makeup. How to... Do your hair. Do your hair. <laughs> how to do your eyebrows. How to... Clock yourself. Before. Even honestly, even my voice. Like yeah. I remember in drag, my voice would change, and so it kind of helped me discover my identity as well as my voice. So it's been a great journey, and 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 by the end of it, like I said, I kind of got a little bit overwhelmed because three years into doing drag, I was like, okay, I'm trans. I think I made a tender as a drag
3: queen. Oh my God. Yeah. you were trying to get the men
4: in the drags and it worked. It was was pretty insane.
3: Well, of course, bitch. They don't fucking care. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) They don't give a shit if you got a wig on. They don't give a shit. I am over it. They'll fuck anything in a wig. (laughs)
4: Like, literally, I'm so happy for me back then but I am so annoyed at men. And you did it for free too, bitch. (sighs) I should have charged. You should have
3: been charging that.
4: But the whole point of that is I ended up saying I was trans, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't doing anything about it other than cross-dressing for a living. And I ended up saying that I was non-binary and an alien. I was like the alien leader. Oh. It was a whole bunch of stuff. Like I was really trying my hardest not to be trans. Be trans, and it was really a sad, sad story. Like I thought that that was really how how my life was going. The route that I was going was going to be non binary. I'm going to be comfortable with myself and love my body the way that I was born. Right. But still feel like a woman inside, which, yes, I understand because I was there, but
3: there's so much more. Well, and the other thing is, too, like when you have such such strong gender dysphoria Mm -hmm. that you're experiencing, you can tell yourself that all you want. But that doesn't change the fact that you look in the mirror and you don't see what you what you feel. Like you should be seeing on the when you look at yourself on the inside, you know,
4: testosterone is intense. Yeah, it's not very friendly to the femis. No, it fucks you up. It was difficult. Like it's it's difficult to feel actually pretty and soft and and right. how I wanted to be perceived with testosterone, and I was really trying really hard. I remember shaving my legs mm-hmm. and bleeding. -hmm. And getting the worst ingrown hairs because my hair follicles. I know that once I started hormones about a year into it, it kind of subsided. Like I don't really get
3: razor burn. Razor burn like I used to. Yeah. Because your skin is much thinner now and the hair is finer. It's so much better. Yeah. So you found comfort in that for a while in identifying as non binary and not pursuing medically transitioning. yeah. And obviously you said that that didn't feel right to you, right? So you still ended up like, oh, well, medically transitioning is the right thing for me and living as a binary trans woman is the right thing for me, is ultimately where I came to
4: after I cut the non-binary out for two years. Because it's like I said, I went to date. I was trying to be like a gay man for two years and not even mention... My non binaryness to this man. So I literally went from trying to be non binary and being comfortable as a non binary trans person to cutting it off because I knew that I wasn't a non binary trans person and trying to be okay with my cis body as a gay male. And that wasn't working. So then I understood the assignment. <laughs> The assignment was estrogen. 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 And bitch. Block those testosterone. Those little
3: testes. Block them. We're gonna shut them down. May and I get into a conversation here about what her thoughts are on bottom surgery. Maybe these are questions or concerns you've had yourself. These aren't always discussions we have openly in the trans community, but they are discussions that need to be had nonetheless. I need to cut them off. Girl, you want to today? We can. I'm I don't kidding, know. I'm <laughs> nervous.
4: I kind of want kids, but I don't know if I could even get kids now. Like, <laughs> like after your three years on hormones, can you actually produce?
3: I don't fucking know. Do salmon? I look like I care? <laughs> I don't give a shit about having kids, bitch. You I'm, don't? No, that was not even for a second. My consideration. <sighs> I was like, okay, great. I don't know. I think I'm really a narcissist. Well, duh. But
4: tell me why. I think I'm a narcissist because <laughs> I really want to see a little person of me walking around, <laughs> being like, "Well, you can't. That girl. was my body." Okay. <laughs> well, the that thing is, it's not too late. <laughs> so, an- the another reason why I don't want to cut them off <laughs> 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 is because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> It's because I'm afraid I won't get aroused anymore. Girl. I need to do some research. I'm scared. You're already
3: chemically castrated, bitch. I know. So. They need to be gone. Yeah, no. My only concern for not getting an orchiectomy is just because I want all that skin for my vagina. Oh, God. You're going to get it?
4: Duh, bitch. I don't know why. I'm nervous. Can I say some really silly stuff sure go for it like i'm nervous that it's literally just gonna be like a wound it
3: doesn't work like that okay
4: well and (laughs) you you take good care of skin so
3: (laughs) you can take care of that butchered skin (laughs) mama it literally heals after six weeks and then you're fucking (laughs) i'm terrified of it I literally just think of my
4: thing as like a big clit now. Like, I know it's (laughs) it's terrible. Like, I remember going on some dates with people. And they were like, I don't really know what to do about your situation down there. And I was like, oh, don't overthink
3: it. Just treat it like a clit. think of it as like a bigger clit.
4: (laughs) And they did a wonderful job.
3: Yeah, once you tell them, it's just a big fucking
4: clit. But I think that's my concern about getting a vagina, is that I might not even get to experience that. An orgasm? Yeah. Oh, girl, you'll be fine. Okay. I'll (laughs) be right behind you.
3: It's not like you just have like a hole with no fucking pleasure button, bitch. They got a pleasure button. I know. uh, I'm just like... I'm scared. I know. Going under the knife is quite scary. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I want to get other stuff done. I want I want FFS. I really... Bitch, we are getting FFS. We don't want FFS. I need it. We are getting FFS. We I are know. going to Marbella. We are going to Facial Team EU. And we are getting these faces chopped, mama. I want to go to
4: Man- Marderosian. Or... Oh, yeah.
3: Right, we already talked about that. in Jupiter. Fucking Florida. Yeah.
5: I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step, because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of times you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough. Right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick.
6: Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Okay, let's talk about dating, bitch. We are always talking about men if we're not talking about something. That's true. (laughs) Tell me about the reality that you learned when she became a woman and you started dating the men's.
4: So, I don't really know. Like, I I just started putting myself out there as soon as I started transitioning. I had a Tinder. Like, I had one before as a crossdresser. So, of course, I'm going to have one as a trans woman Mm -hmm. and still somehow be comfortable with that. I look back at pictures and I'm like, oh, my God. (coughs) Poor baby. I wasn't doing a good job at, like, even hiding my stubble in some of the photos. So like, I thought I was, I didn't see that kind of thing. right? But then I look back and I'm like, wow. Okay. I had a great time when I first started transitioning because I started dating right away. And somehow, which this is terrible, but I got a lot of
3: validation through the male gaze. And that's not terrible necessarily. I think it's okay to say that we do feel validated by the male case. Yeah, it was
4: nice. It was nice to have these men who had maybe never had a queer experience, never thought of dating a trans woman. I loved the attention that I got from these men that you normally would look at and not think that they were as open as they really were.
3: You think that they're just like some cis hetero like normal like straight guy
4: and and they are yeah however I was super new into my transition and I'm very thankful for them being as graceful as they were
1: mm-hmm.
4: um with even their vocabulary it was very surprising no one was super disrespectful to me and and I can't say that that is how it goes for all trans women because I've heard horror stories I also do a good job at scoping someone out, asking the right questions, making sure.
3: Getting a feel for if they're going to be a dick or not.
4: And if they are, I will probably be a dick back and then it'll be the end of the conversation. I would never
3: go on to meeting a dickhead. You have to have these like filters almost like to kind of like start weeding out. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: You have to ask the right questions. Have you ever dated a trans woman before? Exactly. Majority of people say no. Okay, great. If they do say yes, wow, I'm intrigued. I want to know more.
3: Which trans girls? (laughs) Exactly. I know them. (laughs) Do I know them? And are they just a drag queen? Well, that's happened. (laughs) And that's on T. That has happened.
4: And so I always ask, I'm like, have you ever known a trans woman before? And if they say yes, I dig into that. If they say no, and I'm like, okay, well, how do you feel about like possibly going on a date with me? Would you be embarrassed? Would you be okay to be in a public place with me? I've never just went straight to someone's house. I've always made someone take me out to dinner on a real date.
3: Wow. Yeah. She's
4: a traditional girl. Well, and it honestly
3: is for safety. No, I understand that for, for sure.
4: If I have anything to give to the girls, I really... Think that you should start asking the right questions, mm-hmm. getting to know these men, making sure they're okay with meeting you out in a public place, right? Getting their Facebook, yes, making sure that these people are who they say they are. Because I've 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 been on dates with someone who was married, wow, didn't know they were. Got a mm-hmm. phone call
3: from the wife. Scary. Yeah, that that's the type of men out here. Uh, I went on a date once where I, the guy didn't know where I didn't know where I was trans. Why did you not tell him? Well, bitch, I'm about to get into it. Okay. okay. When I became an esthetician, mm-hmm. you you even said it the other night. You were like, I thought this bitch was living as stealth. I did. I thought you were. I kind of was. So when I was an esthetician, I kind of like went into stealth and just lived as a woman. And I had a dating profile, I had OKCupid or whatever, mm-hmm. and I didn't have it in my bio that I was trans. I didn't like put it anywhere on there. No, um, I didn't put it anywhere on there. Say what you want to say. Fuck you guys. You know, whatever.
4: I know. I'm over here shaking my head, but I also like I understand,
3: but yeah. I don't like. I was just, like ten I'm years sca- ago. Yeah. Okay. Different like, time. Different time. Okay, you little new titty getting bitch. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a second. So yeah, I was like 10 years ago. And like, I didn't tell the guy I was trans. And he was like, really, really eager to meet me and like, really eager to set up this date with me. And what I normally would do is I would ask questions and I would get to know them and I would talk to them for a while. And then I would disclose to them before we would go on any type of date and meeting up in person like, hey, I'm a trans woman. If you're not interested in meeting me, then we can just stop talking now. And this guy was so eager and so like excited to take me out on a date that I never got to have that conversation with him prior to meeting him. And so here comes Miss Clocky after her shift at the Ulta. And the first thing this man says to me after he says hi to me is, are you a tea girl? And I said, well yeah I was trying to tell you but oh no and then he just walked away bitch he said I'm good he said I'm good did that hurt oh yeah I was fucking devastated bitch I'm so sorry I was devastated I called Billy and I said Billy you'll never believe what just fucking happened to me I was so fucked up Mm. yeah but it was my fault
4: I would have had that kind of situation happen if I weren't so forward I literally capitalized on my profile yeah Trans woman, tranny, tranny, <laughs> transsexual. I'm a transsexual, I you no, don't like I'm it. I'm so sorry that that's that's not fun. But after that, did you always disclosed in my profile, yeah. like on there?
3: Yeah, because it was so embarrassing. That
4: hurts me because, like, I understand. I know where that comes from. I feel like I can, I feel it in my gut right
3: now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you know. I used to think like, oh, it would limit guys from like talking to me and then like they wouldn't talk to me. But then I was like, well, I don't really want them to talk to me if they're not okay with that to begin with.
4: The journey of a trans woman is so specific Mm -hmm. that I'm pretty sure they need to be ready for the
3: ride. (laughs) Like, honestly, they do. Alan, my boyfriend, we've been together seven years and. I don't even think he was ready for the ride. Really, I don't think he knew what he was getting. (laughs) Did
4: he? Did he not realize that he would be getting the yes, Gaga, honey?
3: (laughs) No, he didn't actually. No, he didn't. And for a long time, I didn't hide that. But like, you didn't show your rah rah. Yeah, I didn't show my rah rah ooh
4: la la. I, I honestly hide that sometimes, too.
3: Yeah. And now that I'm comfortable with him and he loves me, I'm fucking watching Drag Race. I'm fucking doing whatever the that fuck
4: That is so funny. I, I do the same thing. Like, I literally, when I first started talking to Josh, I was afraid to, like, yeah. watch
3: Drag Race, to watch anything queer-related. Yeah. Or even to, like, Madonna or, like, Cher or... Honey, if he loves it, Yeah,
4: he wants to watch it, too. Yeah. And it's it's, like... Normal for people to watch this kind of stuff, but right. I'm over here being like, I can't, I can't. Be oh, like, I know. Yes, Gaga, honey. I don't, I don't really do that. But if I accidentally did as a joke, I would be afraid, like he wouldn't get my joke.
3: I ask May to share her thoughts on tranny chasers, people who exclusively seek to fetishize and have sex with trans women or men, the chasers, as we call them. I share my opinions too, of course. Tell me about the chasers. They are there.
4: (laughs) I don't have a problem with chasers. Is that bad? Like, I really don't.
3: No, I have a a bigger problem with like DL men who are chasers. Exactly. That's the issue.
4: I don't have a problem with a man who finds trans women attracted and are... That's a difference, though. And are only attracted to trans women. And that's a thing. Well, yeah. That's, and I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that, too. But, but I the people who are secretive about yes, it
3: and are freaks. Sneaky, They're fucking freaks.
4: If you're, in, if you're in the closet about liking it, y- you could do... You're the type of person who's going to do some nasty stuff to me. You're the problem. <laughs> you're yeah, the problem. It's terrible. No, so those types of chasers are the no-nos. But if there is... I think a lot of people call a person who likes trans women a chaser, which I think is ridiculous. Well, there are
3: trans amorous men. I consider a chaser to be a man who fetishizes trans women without any appreciation for what a trans woman actually is. They treat us like a sexual object and not have any appreciation for the person that we are and the complexities that we have. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah. But I don't know him. No, I used (sighs) to, but...
4: I don't know if I got that far with anybody like that. Let me just say, Grinder, not the place I want to meet a man. No,
3: same. What do you find most beautiful about being a transsexual woman? The thing I feel most beautiful about being a
4: transsexual woman... I don't even know. Honestly, I am just happy. Like I'm happy to be on a journey to not have to like hide anything.
3: To be living your truth.
4: Yeah. Like that was the hardest thing for me in past relationships is I was hiding something.
3: Because you were trying to live up to somebody else's expectation of...
4: of something that I wasn't. So now I'm happy
3: that I don't have to hide who I am. Yeah, I remember when you first started transitioning, you really were like trying to distance yourself a lot from drag and you were really trying to distance yourself a lot from any types of queerness. And I mm-hmm. and I related to that a lot because I experienced that when I first started medically transitioning. I really felt like I had to prove myself as a woman and I had to live up to this expectation of what a woman is or whatever. But then really After a few years, you're just like, whatever, bitch. I'm my own kind of woman. putting a
4: t-shirt and some biker shorts on. Whereas like before I would have my nails done. I would have the wig on, like nice lace. But now I'm just like, it's so much more comfortable though. Yeah, it is. Now that I don't like have to... Feel like you perform.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I needed to do the performance though. I feel like because it wasn't easy in the beginning. You do look harsh. You are clockable. (laughs) You know, there's things that are scary, but it's so much nicer now that I have the privilege of being able to go to the grocery store and putting my hair up and just walking in, not
3: caring. Like a transsexual. Like a transsexual and not caring. Well, May, tell people where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can hear more about you.
4: If you're interested in following this transsexual, you can hit me up on YouTube at May Calloway. We also have an Instagram uh-huh. at May Calloway.
3: What about a TikTok?
4: TikTok May Calloway. <laughs> She's on it all, bitch. All platforms, May Calloway. M A E C A L L A W A Y.
3: Thanks for joining me on that exciting episode with May Calloway. It was definitely a fun episode to record with my beautiful trans daughter, May. And for more Beauty Translated, find us over on Instagram at Beauty Translated Pod. Let me know what you love about the show and what you want to hear more of. I hope everyone has a great week. I hope you stay tuned to Beauty Translated and stay beautiful. The show is in association with the iHeart Next Up program, co-founded by Anna Hosnier, Joelle Monique, and Yesenia Median. Beauty Translated is sound designed by Jessica Kranich and produced by Kurt Garen and Allie Perry. And our theme song was composed by Aaron Kaufman. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows.